Good morning. Um, let's continue on in our reading this morning. And I'm going to read from John chapter 20. I'm a bit of a allergic reaction, so uh, forgive me if I sneeze or anything. Uh, we're going to start from uh, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. <clears throat> so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started, sorry, excuse me. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one, of, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, women, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. I've mentioned this before, um, and, I, and I just want to start off this morning by mentioning it again. Um, you know, uh, SP, we have women uh, leaders, women, uh, you know, uh, board members, women preachers. Uh, we we acknowledge women pastors. Um, it's 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 as uh, we're really, I mean, you may not be, but we as a church or leadership, we're we're beyond it. It's not even a topic anymore. And one of the things I want you to see here in this account of uh, John chapter twenty is that the first evangelists ever were women. Um, the message that Jesus is alive and risen, conveyed by the angels, were given to women. And then the women relayed this message to the men. And so um, this, among many other uh, accounts that I can give in the New Testament, 
um, it just shows that uh, the Lord himself supports women in a position of authority uh, to convey a message as important as the resurrection. So the fact that Jesus is risen, the first people it was mentioned to, trustworthy enough to carry it and then take it back to the rest of the community were women. And so if, if the Lord could, you know, trusted the women to convey this message and to convey it to the others and to the men and to the community, um, yeah, we, we don't have a problem with that either. Okay, so moving on. Um, in verse 1, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. And so someone once asked this question, you know, why, why is the stone removed? We, we uh, in, in these chapters, in this chapter and the chapters to come, you're going to see this idea of the glorified resurrected body. And uh, what is the glorified resurrected body? It's, it's uh, post-resurrection. Uh, we know that Jesus eats food, so there's a physicality to it. Uh, we also know that he can appear in different places, so there's a, you know, omniscient spirituality to it. Um, uh, we know that he can, he's not bound physically, yet at the same time, Doubting Thomas can touch his scars um, on his, you know, wrists, on his body, on his hand. And so, um, you know, uh, pretty, pretty cool stuff. Um, and we, when we pass away and when we are resurrected or brought back to life in the, in the, uh, end, end times, uh, we also will be getting you and I, hallelujah, praise God. This is something to get excited about this morning. You know, I was having this long discussion, uh, last night about my diet and, and, you know, how I want to stay healthy. Uh, how it's been an uphill battle for me my whole life. Uh, maybe you have something similar about yourself, uh, uh, but uh, I want you to know that we're going to get uh, glorified, resurrected bodies. That means we can eat anything we want and we won't gain weight, I think. And so um, uh, pretty excited. Um, pretty excited to know that we will be in a different uh, mode or state, and it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be glorious. Um, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I know it's going to be good. And so Jesus is the prototype. He's the first fruit of the resurrection, of the resurrected physical body. Um, and so he's, he's kind of trying out. <laughs> he has that. He ha you know, he's, he's a forerunner. And so we'll, we'll be getting that too. So uh, my whole point in bringing that up is, so then if Jesus is in his glorified resurrected body, if Jesus can ascend, if Jesus can appear one place or another, doesn't seem to have the same constraints as us in terms of time and space. At the same time, he eats food. He can be touched physically. You can hear his voice. You can see him physically, tangibly. So then the question is, why does the, you know, uh, uh, the, the entrance, the, the, this, this two-ton, three-ton, you know, however big it is, couldn't be moved by one individual or by two, and you needed uh, three or four people to be able to roll the stone away uh, to the entrance of the tomb. Why? If Jesus can walk through walls or, you know, uh, uh, omnipresent, you know, move and, and be places, does, does the stone need to be removed? And so if you haven't heard this before, the stone was removed not so that Jesus could come out. The stone was removed so that the disciples could go in. 
It wasn't, the, the stone wasn't holding Jesus back. He could walk right past it in his glorified resurrected body. The stone was opened up, uh, you know, probably by the angels or, or just, you know, the Lord spoke it to be so that people could come in, so that we could have access, so that we could go in and see that Jesus is risen from the dead. And so if you've ever wondered that, that's, that's the answer, answer to that, you know, the, it says in verse one. Uh, saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. And that was not so that Jesus could come out, uh, but it was so that we could come in. A similar picture, uh, you know, in the, in the Jewish tradition in the, in the temple, only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies uh, annually. And he had to first go through a heavy ritual and, and atone and, and sacrifice for his own sins. And then he could go into this Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was and then offer up a sacrifice on behalf of the people of Israel. And, you know, there was this uh, curtain. Uh, scholars believe it was you know, the, the, the size of maybe like, you know, this thickness, you know, the thickness of a book. And so you can imagine when you put 10 pieces of paper together, how hard this ripping. Imagine if it's 20, imagine... So just this really dense layer or curtain that was separated. The scripture tells us that when Jesus resurrected, or sorry, when Jesus was crucified, that the veil that separated the innermost holy place uh, from the rest of the world was torn in two. And it says that this veil was torn in two, not from bottom to top, but torn from top to bottom, symbolizing that God is the one that ripped it. God opens this veil. God cut open like, like uh, something was birthed out. And, um, you know, um, in one sense, it symbolizes, hey, we can now have access into the Holy of Holies. We now have access into the throne room of grace. There's now nothing that can inhibit us in Christ, through his blood, if we believe in him, no matter what struggles, no matter how, what hardships, no matter how many times we failed, because of Jesus, we can walk into the Holy of Holies and say, say Abba, Father, say, say Dad you know, I messed up, you know, please forgive me, I come, I need you, and uh, you're, you're welcome into those chambers, you're, you're a son or a daughter, you're not a slave, you're not, you're not just a servant, and so we can come, but in the same likeness, it's not just that we can come in, and this was actually pointed out to me by my New Testament professor, Mary Mae Thompson, she says it's not just the, the curtain wasn't torn just so we can come in, it was also symbolizing that now heaven, you know, the veil that separated heaven and earth you know, humanity and God is now torn now also that the spirit of God can be poured out so that the kingdom of heaven can now be poured out into, into the world. And so again, it's, 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 uh, you know, it's, it's the other way as well. I think that there are things in our lives that God may have removed, that God may have, uh, uh, put aside for a season and you may have struggled with this and why. And I think that there's something that the Lord wants to show you. I think, you know, we focus on the stone. We focus on, uh, focus on what was removed. But I think when God makes these types of shifts in our lives, what he wants us to do is to take a closer look at what he's doing. And so there may be something that God has removed or placed, or you feel like has been misplaced. You know, and it's got you flustered and you're wondering, what is God doing? And you're, you're, it's, 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 
you know, you're struggling with it. And maybe, maybe God wants you to take a closer look. Maybe God wants you to draw near to him. Maybe there's something that he wants to reveal in this. And I just feel like the Lord wants us to not get so fixated on the circumstances and the surrounding things, you know, with all the things that are going on. And, and he's making an invitation for us to, to draw near to him and to go deeper with him and to ask him, God, what are you doing? Or, or you know, where are you in this? You know, that's a, that's a great question, especially when things are difficult, especially when things are hard. A great question to ask God is, God, where are you in this? What are you trying to show me? What am I missing? You know, that, that it requires an incredible amount of humility to be in a situation that is uncomfortable, that you don't like, that you're even maybe a little bit, you know, taking offense. And then to pause in that moment and say, you know what? I trust you. You know what? You, this, you, you must be working something good in this. And then to say, God, where are you in this? God, what is it you want to show me? Requires an incredible amount of faith. And so where might God be asking you uh, for this? Uh, I remember the first time I did uh, inner healing. I think it was my second year in Solomon's Porch in Hong Kong. And this was all entirely new to me. I'd never really heard about it before. I had um, a session and someone was leading me through a prayer. And I was sharing with them how, uh, you know, angry, how disappointed, how hurt I was. Uh, when I was like in third or fourth grade, I got a bad report card. It was so bad. I knew my grades were so bad that I got sick. Like my stomach literally started to get to knots. And then I, I started telling myself, oh, wow, you're sick. You know, and then I said, oh, you should go home. You know, if you go home, then you will get your report card. And then, um, then you won't get, you know, in trouble by mom. And so I told my my teacher, you know, I'm sick. I need to go home, go to the nurse's office, you know, all that. I'm sure I was a little bit sick, but really acted it out really well. And so they gave me a notice and they, they let me go home at 12. I was so happy. I was like, yes, I dodged a bullet. I'm, I know I'm going to die, but not today, maybe tomorrow, you know? And uh, to my horror, to my absolute horror, my teacher gave me my report card early. So not now I just, and now all that happened is I get in trouble earlier. I go home at 12 and now I'm going to get the meeting. So I, I was like, this is unbelievable. Um, and so uh, I remember my mom picked me up. She parked the car, not in front of our house, but like a few minutes out. I don't know why. Maybe there was less people there. And she just gave it to me, man. She railed into me and she was yelling and screaming and hitting. And, and I remember... In that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, I hate, I hate my mom. Like I hate my home. I, I, you know, I wanna, I wanna run out of this car and never come back, you know? And it wasn't so much the, the physical pain. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm sharing all this with my inner healing, you know, deliverance minister. And, uh, and then he asked me this question. He said, you know, first he said, he's really sorry. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. It must not have been easy. And, you know, he was a really nice guy. I really believed it. It was a uh, uh, pastor or, or a pastor, but missionary, Jimmy Stewart. And then uh, in Hong Kong, uh, part of, I think, I believe he was part of where I went. And then he asked me this question and he said, Sam, where is God in this? 
and so I think my answer was like, oh yeah, you know, he's in the big picture. You know, somehow I, I got through all those seasons of my life and look, yeah, I'm doing wonderful things for the kingdom. And he says, no, no, that's not, that's not what I mean. He's like, you're like, where is Jesus in this? Like, where is he in that moment of extreme emotional pain or trauma? And uh, I never had thought of that question before. You know, I, I just thought it's something that I had to go through myself. And, and he says, can you close your eyes and can you try and imagine, try and imagine in the spirit where he might be. And I was like, and he's like, do you see him? And I said, no, I don't see him. He's not there. Why would he be there? He was never there. And, and you know, in so many words, it's like, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that a God that loves you and cares for you, went to the cross for you and died for you, would abandon you in your, you know, deepest and darkest hours? And I said, of course not. Of course, he must have been there. But I just, I, he must have been there, but I just, I wasn't able to, I just, I just didn't know it. Right. Uh, and so then he said, you know, why don't you try it again? You know, ask in the spirit, Lord, you know, I know you care for me. I know you're there. I just didn't know it. Where, where were you? And so I did that. And about maybe the second or third time I, I saw an image, like I, I, I received an image, a download. And, and I, and I saw a picture of Jesus holding the door, <laughs> you know, like, like holding it so that I wouldn't run away, so that I wouldn't leave, so that, you know, who, who knows, I don't be so dramatic, you know, it's not to say that I would have, you know, left the home and never gone back, but, you know, I saw a picture of the Lord holding the door and basically saying, you know, uh, uh, hang on, hang on. And then I saw a picture of him not just holding the door on the outside, but then a picture of him actually in the car, in between my mom and I, and like absorbing, you know, the pain, absorbing the, the, the you know, the hurt and, and guarding me. And I realized in that moment that Jesus was there. Uh, it, it was an incredible spiritual exercise. And uh, one of the things that it showed me was even in my deepest, darkest hours, Jesus was there with me. I didn't know it at the time. But I absolutely believe that he was there. Why wouldn't he be there? Man, he went through heaven and hell. He went to the cross. He spent three days in hell, taking all the punishment, all the pain. And that, you know, whether that's in physical or emotional, but you know how like when you and I sin, right? We've we've all sinned, you know, and especially if it's hurt someone else, you understand, like it's not just the act or something physical, you know, like you got hurt physically, but you know, I, I think we can all agree emotional strife or, or, or emotional struggle or like guilt or shame or remorse, like the weight of that is, is quite, can be quite unbearable, right? I, I believe you, you, you should be old enough, mature enough to experience something like that. Now, imagine if you have to carry the weight of that of your family, you know, or imagine if you have to carry the weight of that of your small group. You know, like all the pain and struggles and you understand it and you feel it and you carry that. Imagine if you have to carry all that for a church or for 10 churches or like God assigned you and said, you know what, you, you, you take it for the city of Singapore. 
can you imagine i mean like who would want that like who would want that type of like 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 you know just like emotional hurt and strain and struggle and pain to carry that to no one no one can bear that and yet jesus took all the burden all the pain all the shame you know those that are remorseful even of those who who aren't remorseful those that are of just pure sin all the sin of the world all the weight of the world of all time through all generation all the like millions and billions of people's shame and remorse and the weight of that emotional unbelievable weight on him on the cross for three days you know in separation without the comfort of the father he was separated so that we wouldn't have to be all to say that you know your mom may not understand your dad may have no clue what you're going through your house church leader or pastor may drop the ball sorry they will drop the ball you know but jesus understands jesus understands and so mary is crying mary just wants to know at the very least wants to remember jesus you know uh cherish him the memory of him and she's crying and and you know where have you taken my lord away i don't know where you have put him just tell me i'll go get him myself she turns around jesus is standing there the bible says that jesus was standing there but she did not realize that it was him in the midst of her pain in the midst of her desperation in the midst of asking a who he she thought was a gardener where is he she did not realize that it was him she did not realize that he was there until he says mary and calls out her name and so this morning i want you to know that the pain that jesus went through was real he understands he was there he understands your pain even if you can't see him or feel him he is there and so this prayer god where are you in this what are you trying to show me lord i need a revelation a deeper revelation of you um counseling helps inner healing helps but really what we all need is a deeper revelation of jesus we need to know personally and intimately that he is there and that in fact he is carrying us let's bow our heads this morning lord we just thank you we come before you and we ask you holy spirit that you would come lord i pray for all those listening to this now or later that you would show us a greater revelation even in the midst of the seasons that we are in even in the midst of the brokenness that we are in Lord, that you would show us that you have not abandoned us, Lord, that you have been there all along, that you have always been there. Lord, why would you go through heaven and hell and death on the cross 
and the separation from the Father and the weight of the world of all the guilt, shame, and sin, simply to then leave us in our most desperate hour. It's a lie. It's not true. God, we need help recognizing your presence. We need help seeing what we cannot see. And so, Lord, would you remind us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.